This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Uh, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Design. We're going to talk a little hoop here momentarily with uh, former Cougar Jonathan Tabernari. Of course, uh, Jonathan uh, played for a long time professionally as well, Gordon. So we'll we'll get his thoughts on the Jazz. We'll just bat it about, talk a little basketball. What do you think? Yep, uh, the Cougars uh, losing last night to the Broncos of Boise State. Well, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, former Cougar Jonathan Tabernari with us here on the big show. What's going on, Jonathan? How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great. Thanks for coming on the show. We always uh, look forward to it when you have a chance. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, guys. All right, give us uh, kind of your your take on uh, the BYU Cougars thus far this year. Well, I think that it's, um, you know, I don't want to say rebuilding year, mainly because, you know, you have the addition of of Matt Harms and, you know, Alex Barcelo is being so efficient as a senior captain. Um you know, but it feels like after losing TJ, after losing uh, Yoli, uh, Jake Toulson, who's here with the Jazz, um, it feels like the team has to somewhat find that identity, right? And uh, maybe a lot of the experts were a little bit too quick to, you know, just say, oh, this BYU team has arrived. And as with every season, um, you know, a lot of new faces, a lot of new guys um, that although they have been on the program, they have to play bigger roles. Right. I mean, once you lose guys of that magnitude, I mean, Yoli is one of the greats. Uh, TJ has been, you know, was one of the also the greats. And Jake Tulsa came back and, and finished things off. But new roles have to be in there and you have to figure out how to perform. And so I feel like, you know, these, these guys still have to navigate it and find an identity, uh, which to me, um, you know, you haven't had a chance to see that, you know. Um, but props to them. Uh, yesterday after, you know, a, a, a loss, um, you know, which is not a bad loss. I mean, sent, uh, uh, Boise State is a very good team. I mean, they're probably going to go to the NCAA tournament, um, if not advance one or two rounds. Uh, they're very good. They're long. They're athletic. And, uh, you know, they got uh, Derek Alston most likely will be an NBA player. A couple of the other guys will definitely be playing professionally somewhere. And so, um, but you can tell early on that you know these guys weren't engaged, and from the, you know from the from the tip off, I mean, 14 zip to start the game, uh, not scoring for pretty much almost two TV timeouts, and so um, it, it, it is growing pains, right? But it's um, to me that team is still in search of its identity. You know, it's uh, Jonathan. Those things that you brought up are right on the money, I think, and especially. USC and Boise State both long athletic. Uh, is that a problem for this uh, this Cougar team? Or are they athletic enough? Well, you know, and here's the thing. Last year's team, you know, because everybody likes to compare it to the year before. Last year's team wasn't also very athletic, right? I mean, Yoli could jump out of the gym and all of that. But, but besides him, probably Alex Barcelo was the most athletic guy on the team. And so um, – there are ways that you can go around that. You know, TJ always did it with just his smart play and everything. But um, right now, BYU hasn't found a way to move the ball against those guys. 
um, St. John's, right after they, you know, they got smacked by uh, USC, they play St. John. And St. John, you know, just a bunch of brothers on a team running up and down, uh, run and gun, which is BYU style. Um, but BYU beat them, right? It came down towards the end. It got a little bit closer. But so, you know, my take is um, that you're somewhat right on the money, Gordon, um, by talking how long and athletic teams will give BYU a hard time. That is 100% uh, correct. However, you know, if I feel like when they find their identity, and this is something that you can also see that they said themselves on a post-game coverage, we need to trust the, the coaching staff. We need to follow through with the plan. Um, you know, to me, that sound, I mean, obviously, you know, I've been in, in high-level rocker rooms for about 15 years now. Uh, that sounds to me that they haven't bought in 100% to what, you know, the, the, the coaching staff is cooking and that they're still trying to find who they are. Jonathan Tavernari is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, what have been your impressions on uh, Matt Harms? Is he kind of as good as advertised? You know, and here's the thing. Um, advert, I, you know, in Brazil, we have, we have a saying that, you know, propaganda is the soul of the business. Um, to me, he was advertised the wrong way. Because when people were talking about Matt Harms, they said, here's a seven-footer, a rim protector, a big-time inside presence. Have both of you guys seen him play yet at these games at BYU? Have you seen him play the whole game or, or good parts of it? Yeah, good parts of it. I, I saw part of it, yeah. He is more Chris Tapps Porzingis than he <laughs> is Boban Marjanovic. Hmm. And what do I mean by that is that kid has a really soft touch. Right, as most Europeans that come and they're you know they know how to shoot, and you can tell by his shooting form. But he is more Porzingis, and now lo and behold, I'm not making NBA comparisons. You guys, you guys know me enough. And but what I'm saying is, he is more Porzingis than he is a dominant force in the middle. He is a rim protector because of how tall and how long he is. But he's not a, a, an inside force to be reckoned with. He's not somebody that you can put the ball in the post and expect him to make a play. Can he? Absolutely. I mean, he had a couple of hook shots yesterday over um, um, Armus, Arum. Uh, I don't remember the name of the guy from the Boise State now. Uh, they got in foul trouble, but that's not his game. And so defensively, I think that he is in BYU's best lineup. Offensively, um, and, and I even tweeted this out yesterday, um, Caleb Lawner, who, you know, he made the mistake at the very last shot, but you don't win a game, win or lose a game at the last shot. But on the very last play that the kid from Boise had a three-pointer, Caleb Lawner made the mistake. And this goes along with Matt Harms. Why? Because Matt Harms should be playing predominantly the four spot, be a four-man, a perimeter guy that floats around, that picks and pops or rolls and gets, you know, the advantage with the four-man. And Colby Lee and Richard Harward, and even um, uh, Wyatt Lowe, these guys need to produce a little bit more right now. Because Matt Harms, although he is you know, a seven-footer, you know, over bigger than that, he is not a traditional five-man. And so uh, I think that he is good, um, but I don't think that, people, you know, I don't think that the, the tag on him, that he was advertised the right way. So, Jonathan, who on this team, who is yet young, and and you have has caught your eye that you think can uh, can blossom under the guidance of uh, Pope. And, and you know, I um, I obviously Caleb Lawner, you know, uh, 
obviously everybody's high on him. Uh, I'm very curious on on Eric Hunter um, and uh, the kid from uh, from Timbu. I don't even say I'm saying his name wrong. Hunter Hunterson, but I'm very high on him. Um, saw nips of him at practice uh, live and in video. Uh, and, and see what I like. This kid brings immense energy. Just haven't had a chance to to get some playing time yet. But um, Caleb Lawner, obviously, you know, high profile guy. You know, came you know came out of his commitment from the U to come to BYU. But um, the one thing, and you guys have been doing this longer than I've played professional basketball. Um, you need to give time. Not everybody comes in is Andre Miller or Keith Van Horn. You guys know that. Um, but right now, Caleb is getting a lot of burn because the upperclassmen, you know, uh, aren't performing, which, you know, uh, you get better by playing. But at the very same time, you don't want to be stuck in a situation that you're playing on a non-positive situation, right? And so, I've, you know, I, I had film sessions with Dave Rose where it, there were literally 17 films or, or clips of things were done wrong, and I had 16 of them. And as a freshman, either you're going to have thick skin and you know, and learn from that and get better, or that's really going to make you shrink and and just kind of put you out of your spot. So, um, those are the two guys that I'm very, very high on. Um, you know, but it, again, it's we're early in the season. I mean, they're three and two, four and two. I mean, they haven't even played um, you know a double digit games yet. And so, um, but I'm very, very curious to see what happens on Saturday. Um, it's a rivalry game. You guys know the rivalry between BYU and Utah, how that goes. And last year's game, you know, um, especially with uh, Utah's point guard um, with Rylan Jones, I think that it would be a phenomenal matchup. Last year, actually, I personally feel that, you know, especially towards the end of the second half in overtime, he kind of, you know, was able to toy around a little bit with Alex Barcelo and with our other guards, and nobody wanted none of that smoke. And so I'm curious to see Ryland a new year. Alex Barcelo is playing out of his mind, one of the best right now. Effective, you know, inefficient. He's one of the best in the country. And so I'm very curious to see that matchup. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, but you know, right now, very early in the season, and to me, that's still a team that's trying to find its identity. I'm sure we've uh, asked you this question before, Jonathan. But uh, reset it for us. What's uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Coach Pope's style and its fit at BYU? You know, um, obviously, it, it's, a, it's a style that everybody gets a chance to get a piece of the cookie. Um, everybody gets a chance to play. You're going to get some burn. Um, my, and I've said it before, to me, um, the best compliment I can give to a coach is I would love to have paid, played for him, right? And, you know, I, by everything that I've seen and what I've heard, uh, that I've been around, I've had private conversations with him, with people around. Um, I would, I would have loved to have played for him, right? Um, the only negative that I can even bring it up about Mark Pope in the staff is I just think that you know, subbing. I mean, to me, as a player, try to get a rhythm, which is also goes along with production. So it's not really on them, but. Um, I would like to see guys get a little bit more playing time continuously and not subbing in and out a little too much. But again, it goes back to performance, right? Um, you know, you can submit. I'll give you the example of Trevin Nell. You can, you know, to me as a shooter, I maybe would like to have five, six, seven, maybe eight minutes of continually being on the court to be able to find a rhythm and knock down some shots, right? 
But at the same time, if I'm a shooter and I don't and I come in and I don't knock down some shots, then I'm not doing my job, right? And so there is a little bit of balance on that, and I completely understand where he's coming from. Uh, but I'm interested to see, you know, with some of the guys, you know, maybe is Hunter Erickson going to get? Um, is he going to be trying redshirt? I mean, he's getting barely any playing time. What's going on with that? Obviously, something that needs to be brought up too, fellas, um, the loss of Gavin Baxter. Um, you know, a huge piece in the middle would have allowed um, would have allowed Matt Harms to play for you know a little bit more of the perimeter with Gavin played a five. Gavin wasn't never, never you know never really been a perimeter um, threat, and so um, lots of moving variables. You know, it will be interesting to see uh, you know how Mark Pope and his staff adjust to, to these early season adversities if they're going to turn into you know some magic like they did last year or. You know, if it would be just a season of ups and downs. Jonathan, obviously in modern basketball, the three-point shot has become such a such an important part of what teams like to do. And BYU has put up almost 90 more three-pointers than their opponents have thus far this season. Is that an area where you think uh, they can improve upon? They're hitting 37%. Uh, and as I examine the team stats, um, you mentioned Caleb earlier. He's three of twenty from three, right. and so that's probably dragging that number down a little bit. Is this team going to be dependent on that three pointer? Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, can you name? And Gordon, you've been, you know, obviously you've been covering Utah, you know, the, the state of Utah and college hoops here in Utah for such a long time. You have been here since about oh three, oh four. You know, studied the game all the way back to the eighties, but. Um, pretty much since 2000, can you name, you know, besides the teams from Hoffa and, and Louis Lemmes and, you know, but since Dave Rose, can you name one BYU team that didn't rely on a three-point shot to win or lose games? <laughs> you know what point. I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 that's BYU style. And then when you guys ask me, do you, how do you like Mark Pope's uh, style game? I love it. Run and gun. Get a good shot, which these guys are getting good shots, right? The only difference is right now you're not shooting – 49% for the three-point line like you did last year, right? But to me, I'm watching these games. They're good shots. You're in rhythm. You're in balance. I love Spencer Johnson. Slick guy. Actually served his mission in Italy. Um, got to, you know, got to meet him while I was there. Um, but to me, you know, they're shooting good shots. They're not making them, right? And if you actually, and I know that this is, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, if, right? Um, but if you look at their stats, if they make those three-pointers that they're missing right now, that extra 15%, and you break it down between the games, they're right there. Against USC, when they got spanked, they missed a bunch of wide-open shots. Yesterday, they were missing wide-open shots. Now, it goes back to what you guys said about length. About, and what does length do? It hurries your shot. It makes you that you have to adjust. Well, that's what really good players do, right? You adjust on the fly. You adjust in, in, in practice. And so... But to me, that's a huge key right there, Gordon, because they will live and die by the three-pointer because right now, one of the things that BYU teams have always had is live and die by the three, but they have somebody they can throw the ball to on the post. Um, going back to pretty much since I've been at BYU, they had uh, Hoffa, they had Trent Plaisted, Keena Young, Lee Kamard, uh, Tyler Hawes, Kyle Collinsworth. I mean, uh, Yoli, you all, Jake Tools, you always had somebody that you could go to that could get you maybe five, six, eight, ten points on the post or play off the post. 
Right now, that team doesn't have that. And, you know, it will be an issue. And so much, you know, it, 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 to your point, this team will live and die by the three. And unfortunately, right now, they don't have an inside presence to be able to play it through. Jonathan, last thing before we let you go, and I'm kind of I'm kind of blindsiding you with this. I apologize, but you played for a long time uh, overseas in in different leagues, and I love talking to guys who played overseas because they have the best, wackiest stories ever. Can you tell us a story from your time playing professionally that uh, that is crazy? Sure. Um, so uh, probably my third year playing, um, my team just went to the finals of the Italian league. And we lost on a seven-game series, and it was hard fought. Uh, hard fought. Um, I have a really big offer um, to go to a second division team. I mean, it's double all the offers that I have from the first division, and I take it, right? Um, I go to the second division, and it's a really small town, kind of by Naples. Uh, and it's, it, it, I mean, it, and, and Naples in Italy is known by the mafia. Um, we sign uh, a big man. Um, I think it's from uh, uh, Xavier, and his name was Jamel. Uh, I don't remember his last name, but played in the league, became a great player. But at that point, he was a rookie, and he wasn't playing well. And the president wanted to cut him. And the president um, called him to his office and said, hey, by the way, um, you have two options. We're going to let you go. But you can either take your money and leave, or you can agree to buy out and stay here for another three months, right? It was a huge difference or whatever, so he could practice and find a new team. He's like, no, nah, I'm taking my money and going back to, uh, to America. When he got in the car and he drove away, um, police pulled him over because they said that they, he had drugs in his car. <laughs> and they pulled him over, and, you know, he, he just didn't know what was going on, didn't speak any English, um, calls me. I get a call from him. He's like, hey, I'm going to jail. I'm in jail. I need your help. I called the team, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? The team says, hey, I know that you're, like, the translator because you speak both languages. Stay out of it and don't do anything. And I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> I wait another two days or so. I got another call from the, from the player. He's like, hey, I need you to come and get me. What, where were you? So I'm like, hey, can I, go to the, can I go get him now? I called the team. The team's like, yeah, you can go get him now. I show up, and they're like, hey, what? You know, the guy was like, hey, where were you? What's going on? Why didn't you show up? And I'm like, hey, listen, I, the team told me not to go. I don't know what to tell you. I, you know, obviously, I, I it puts me in a tough situation. Long story short, I'm told to get him and take him to the president's office again. The president said, "Listen, um, your whole contract was X to stay here. We, you know, we offered you thirty thousand. You said no. You wanted your own contract. Um, here is five thousand dollars, and you take it back to America, or." If you want, you can face the charges of driving with drugs in your car. <laughs> and the player got the money. We went to the bank. We cashed the check. And I, I took him to the airport, and he got his stuff shipped to America within a week. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, That's amazing. I tell you what, one of these days, guys, we got to get together. Me, you guys, Scotty and Hans, and we need to sit down and, ha and go to Tucano's and get some Brazilian food and if I tell you guys the stories, you guys don't think that, you know, there's a Hollywood uh, script, but it, it's been it. some wild ones. Let's do you it. Know, I, Jonathan, I've heard I've heard some stories, man, and, and that's a good one there you got. But you probably have, like you said, 10 more or 50 more. Uh, one, I wanted to sneak one last thing in, Jonathan. You mentioned that BYU-Utah game coming up Saturday. Uh, what is that game as, as important as it ever has been, or do you think it's lost some of its luster? No, you know, I think that it's, you know, obviously there's so much 
political situation behind. And, you know, let's put aside, which I know it's tough, but the whole thing with the virus, but um, Pac-12, WCC, uh, Mount West, the canceling games and all of that. But, you know, I never had the, the chance to really have a rivalry with Utah because when I was at BYU, Utah teams weren't very good, right? I mean, they were always, you know, we always won by 10, 15. I think we lost once to them. But um, to me, that game right now gives a good idea where each program is, right? Utah trying to establish itself in the Pac-12 as a, as a basketball school, um, but also BYU trying to be that second really established position in the, in the West Coast Conference. So to me, it doesn't have the bragging rights as it did of about 10, 20, 30 years ago of being in the WAC, being in the Mountain West. But up to this day, obviously, with football is a different beast, with BYU being independent, BYU and Utah in the Pac-12 and, and everything that comes from it. But to me, it is a rivalry game. doesn't matter as much, Gordon, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. I don't think that it does. But the fact is that if you had to take a, a screenshot of both programs right now, people would say, well, BYU had a better season last year. Um, you know, and it's heading toward a bigger, bigger places with um, with Mark Pope. A lot of players transferring from Utah. However, the way that, to me personally, and again, you guys know that I bleed blue. To me personally, um, people from you know um, the players from the Utah or, or those in the program at Utah. To me, they are they have been approaching that game a little bit hungrier than BYU has, right? They haven't been approached like, hey, we want to make sure that, you know, they are the darling of the WCC after Gonzaga, but we're going to stump on them, although we're not, you know, we're probably the fourth or fifth uh, violin, um, you know, in in the Pac-12 orchestra. So to me, the sense of urgency lately has been more on Utah side than on BYU. So uh, it's a rivalry game. If BYU loses, it's going to be like, hey, we're going to – Losing streak, two games, we haven't played well, and it gives you know Utah momentum, especially with things going on with COVID within the Pac-12. But to me, it is a huge game, at least this season, for BYU to be able to kind of bring it back in the rivalry game and gain some momentum that they definitely lost with the Boise State loss. Jonathan, thanks for coming on with us, man. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. We'll be in touch. There you go. Jonathan Tavernari. Taking him I up bet. on that uh, I, on that Brazilian yeah. dinner. Go yeah, that stories. sounds pretty good. All right, well, and, and and those stories, Jake. Uh, they the ones I've heard are just absurd. Oh, that's why I said I love talking yeah. to guys who played overseas because they've got the best stories. Britton Johnson had them for days. I mean, just <laughs> amazingly crazy stuff. All right, stay tuned. We're gonna get to uh, uh, Quinn Snyder coming up next. Uh, it's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. <laughs> This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, did you know the shoelaces are two words? Say again? Shoelaces are two separate words. Austin and I were just saying we thought it was one. Uh, yeah, that surprises me, actually. At least the name of this song, it's listed as, or it's uh, written as two different How words. about that? Hmm. Oh. 
All right, uh, Quinn Snyder, as uh, Jazz Camp rolls on, first preseason game going down Saturday night. Uh, he addressed the media today. Let's go ahead and listen in. Hey, Quinn. Um, yes, I was wondering what sort of – is there a atmosphere difference or a mood change that Fave brings in the gym during practices? Like what sort of things does he bring not specifically on the court during play? Well, in, in some respects, it, it, it kind of just feels normal because, you know, he wasn't, wasn't gone for that long. And, and even the way the season was, was so disjointed. Um, yeah, he's a great teammate, you know, and, and whether really whoever he's playing with, you know, I think his, his temperament, his, his character, um, just got a unique way about him as far as, uh, being being selfless and anytime you have a guy that you know um, that the players know um, you know is, is is that way and approaches the game that way um, it, it it's infectious and, and fave doesn't you know he doesn't do it with his you know he's he's not doing it talking and cheering and stuff like that although he's subtly you know supportive of his teammates but you, you feel it in the way he plays and, you know, it gives us something. I, I think, to be honest with you, you know, Rudy's really enjoyed playing against him. You know, those two guys make each other better. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to have him back. It, it hasn't, it's been seamless, you know, him reintegrate. And next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah. So you'd you told us before about how the training camp last year you'd you'd wished in retrospect that maybe you'd done some things differently with with a veteran team, and Mike was just telling us about how you guys had had conversations, you know, about maybe some things that you could do differently this year, mm -hmm. and and he was talking about how he felt like you had really taken that to heart and and kind of let him know, see, we're doing this, we're doing this. Can you just kind of go over? how some of those things that, that you are doing differently and some of those things that you did get from the players in terms of, you know, running this training camp a little bit differently? Um, well, I, I don't know. I think, you know, just it's always, you know, we ask the players to do it. And, and obviously, you know, most important is for us to do it as coaches and, you know, not, I, I keep a pretty detailed journal about different points in the year. Um, you know, and, and I'm, but I'm more, more like things that I say to the team and more big picture things. And, you know, what last year was, was about discovery. You know, uh, we found, you know, with, with Mike, for instance, and, and Boyan, as we talked about and, and other guys, but those two in particular, JC midseason, um, you're figuring out how guys can connect with one another um, and how you can help them be comfortable so, you know, something as simple as how you want to defend. You know, we know Rudy anchors us, but how do you want to use different guys, both on the offensive end and the defensive end, to, to maximize them? And so as far as, you know, having different habits, different concepts, you know, those are all things that, you know, we had to learn and learn about each other. And I, I think, you know, I've mentioned this to you before, I think, Eric, but from, from March until July, you know, we had a chance to really look at our team and, you know, with Boyan being out, some of the adjustments that, that we had to make, um, we weren't just making because we didn't have him. We were, we were making them because we felt like, 
Um, there's a way to play. Every every team has, you know, a different identity. And, you know, this year after Orlando, we've had the same situation, but less time. So I, it, when you kind of, when you know someone, um, you know, it's like a, a friend that you don't see for a while. You know, you, you pick right up, you know, with certain people and, and it's like you never miss a beat. And, you know, you, but you have to get to know somebody really well to have that happen. So I think for Mike and myself, you know, we always communicated, but we had to get to know each other. And, you know, and that, that doesn't mean that we didn't have a good relationship. It was really the opposite is that, you know, in my case, I, I was wanting to help him um, make a transition, making it, you know, make the adjustments that he needed to make with our team because they were significant. You know, I've talked about those before, whether it's having more shooting around him or playing with Rudy, you know, rolling big, you know, all those things, you know, and, and then for him, um, you know, it was getting comfortable with his teammates too. So um, we're using Mike as an example, but I, I think it's true of our, our entire group and those guys getting to know each other, um, you know, our identity evolving as a team. And now we're at a point where, you know, we're, it's not like you're picking up where you left off because there's still some things that we're trying to, to apply, but we know Fave obviously Boyan's back. And now it's just a question of integrating. And I think the biggest thing for us, you know, we're focused when we talk about these things, we're kind of, we, we tilt towards offense um, and what this group needs to do is continue to focus on the defense and there's, you know, adjusting to one another defensively is, um, it's, it, it's real, you know, so you can adjust to each other on the offensive end, but at the same time, defensively, we've got to do the same thing. So we've got more feedback on that from the season, um, this past year in the bubble. And we know some things that we want to emphasize and, you know, Mike's a big part of that. That was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. There's still a, a couple more minutes left on that. We've got it up at 1280thezone.com if you want to hear the rest. But what he was getting into right there, Gordon, I think is is crucially important. I mean, how much better can the guys who were getting adjusted last year be? Specifically Mike Conley. Now that they're, right. you know, you heard him use the, the phrase comfortable with each other. You know, now that that sort of thing is, is they've got a year under the belt, how much better can it get? Yeah, right. And that's that's a big question, right? I mean, we did see some progress in that regard, and uh, but uh, there were some things that got in the way, namely injuries and, and just time So uh, early on. So, yeah, I'm curious to find out whether the, that's going to be a little more smooth. But like, uh, like Quinn was talking about there, then you had jo- Jordan Clarkson come in. There's always these adjustments that need to be made as any team progresses forward. But I would expect the Jazz to start, in better shape this time around. I mean, that's just logical, right? Well, I don't know. Like, like we said the other day, I mean, I've thought the Jazz were going to get off to a fast start like the last three <laughs> years and couldn't have been more wrong every single year because, you know, frankly, uh, Coach Snyder's teams are not known for fast starts. I mean, it just doesn't yeah. – it hasn't really happened with him. So I don't know if I'm I'm comfortable predicting that this time around. But your main pieces have the familiarity this time around, and you would expect it to be better. All right, we'll get to the Not Sports Sport uh, coming up next. Stay tuned. Our friend Dirk Facer jumps on with us at 5, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Baby, my love, I love you so much. Baby, my love, I love you so much. 
Big Show. It's time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Uh, we're, uh, we're not going to any one particular place, but I have two items that I have to run by you guys today. The first one, have you ever purchased a uh, a uh, you know a some kind of drug either over the counter or had a uh, a prescription and had the thought cross your mind i hope these are the right pills uh no but i i know where you're going because i i actually before the show predicted this was going to be your selection for the not sports report well i've had just, that happen to me though i know you have have you yeah it's is that is not i mean you would think they that gave would be me schizophrenic dangerous. medicine and I'm not schizophrenic, and I slept for three days. What was the? What was the? Can you tell us what the medication was? Yeah, you it was. Were a, it was for? an antidepressant. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I so, mean, knowing I what mean, story you're about to tell us, go ahead. Okay, this is just. <laughs> you know, I want to tell you something though before you tell us this, because you hate being predictable. Uh-huh. Jake told me before the show. Look at this story. Guarantee this will be the not sports I know, story. And I said no. A- he'll he'll have a better story than that. And well, I do have a better one. This is just a preliminary. So he's he was only half right. No, he was right. I was right. A pharmaceutical distributor has uh, voluntarily recalled packages of Viagra and drugs used to treat depression after a quote product mix-up cause them to be packaged together so that that just is a little scary i mean if you are looking for a certain treatment and then all of a sudden something else is going on (laughs) there might be some benefits or some disadvantages i don't know but certainly it's nothing to mess with so you did not bring up this story because it was scary don't, yeah, don't try yeah. to do that. That's not why you run up the story. Yep. All right. Now, let me get to my main story since you're calling me predictable, and I hate that. All right. Tonight, Time Magazine will reveal its person of the year for 2020. Did you get nominated, Gordo? I did not get nominated, but your nominees, <laughs> your nominees are President-elect Joe Biden, President Donald Trump, the movement for racial justice oh, as a whole, or Dr. Fauci and frontline health workers. This is for person of the year? Person of the year. And How is a movement they, a person? Well, they said that, uh, well, this is a quote from the editor, said this is the hardest year that I've been involved uh, in it. So many massive stories all over the world. Racial justice, the pandemic, presidential election, wildfires, a really, really challenging year to make this call, said Time. He says from his job he still has. Um, I I guess every once in a while they can do a group uh, when they clump them together. Uh, Just like SI, when they do sports person of the year, sometimes they've done teams or or something along those lines. But uh, of of the nominees, I just gave you which one would you guys go with none of the above i think the guy complaining about section q got robbed <laughs> that was last oh, year so was that last year or the, the year the, prior the, the utah state fan who's called in section q it was coach durier's <laughs> coach's show so right was... now that had to be a little uh no, he was robbed that ago. year yes <laughs> he was totally robbed that year that is man of the year uh, uh right there 
I don't know. Joe, Bi- Joe Biden, Donald Trump, the movement for racial justice, or Dr. Fauci and company. Austin? I have to choose one of those four. Because mm-hmm. those are the nominees. Those are the, the, the finalists. Well, I... Uh... I can't go with the movement because I, although I support the movement, it's not a person, so yeah, that okay. that can't work for me. Uh, Doctor Fauci might get my pick, but he sure likes the camera and he doesn't know how to throw a baseball, and uh, he <laughs> tells me to do one thing and does another. Uh, Joe Biden, what's he done yet? Uh, you know, he's not the president until well, he got, January. He got, he, got, he got elected. And uh, Donald Trump it's is no shocking news to a lot of people. Not my favorite person. Uh, so, well, but this isn't their, def- their, defini- their definition isn't necessarily who's done the best job. Or it's it's who's affected uh, the most people or had a, a big effect on on happenings around the world. The, so it can be a negative. Yeah, it doesn't well. have to be positive. Uh, I'll go with Fauci then, because there's you know he's probably he's inflammatory, uh, but I think he's less inflammatory than picking Biden or Trump. Didn't uh, didn't Hitler win it a couple of times? Did he really? Yeah, yeah. I think Osama bin Laden won it once too. Oh, cool. I don't know. Who you go? I'm not going with anybody. I'll Whatever. go with Doctor Fauci. This I'll go with Doctor Fauci as well. Such a such a glorious publication like Time. Do they even print it anymore? The LA uh, Times? No, the Times. So. The New York Times. No, no, it's a ma- Time Magazine. Yeah, Didn't I, you work at the the Times? Time Magazine. Mad Magazine, yeah. huh? I don't know why I throw my pearls before swine. I, I really don't. I don't either. I'm doing my best to make you not want it. But pearls before swine. I don't know. I don't know. You're, Austin's list is, is is reminding me has a heavy not sports report flavor to it. Does it? it to, yeah, it does. Wait, what's the downloads? So in, in, imitation, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. It's okay. What, I, what is I, pearls I before that. swine? I've never heard that. We're pigs. He's got pearls <laughs> and he's throwing them before because us. Because I don't care. Because we about don't care about Time's Time Magazine person of per- the year. Oh, okay. It's from the Bible. Read the Bible. It's it's notable. It's notable. Time's person of the year. This has been going on for a long, long time now. This is, you know, worth our discussion. But you guys take all the fun out of it. You suck it right out of the building. I picked. Thank you. Thank you, Austin. I I nominated the guy from Section Q. What do you want from me? I'm trying to have fun here. You swine. Seriously. And trying to have a good time. Name calling occurs. Schweinhund. I can't believe I can't remember the last time I even thought about Time Magazine. I don't even know what it is. Does uh, uh, does the Highlights Magazine is that still a thing? I'm, 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 the dentist office. I'm yeah. I'm just, I'm just you, the little. Uh, which what's the differences in these pictures? Yeah, that yeah. One? That remember that? I remember how much I hated that magazine because anytime I actually wanted to read a magazine at like the dentist office when I was a kid, it wasn't a Sports Illustrated. It was the stupid highlights. When you were young, did you guys ever uh, subscribe to Boys Life? Yeah, uh, no. That was sort of a Boy Scout thing, wasn't it? I don't know. The only thing I ever read in that was the back pages uh, where, well, with that's the ads. Wrong. But yeah, with the where it had the <laughs> the safe that looked like a set of books. <laughs> or the 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 magic uh, the magic kits that you could buy, yeah. Or those muscle building contraptions that were a total ripoff. Yeah, the shake weight, yeah. <laughs> oh, not that. No. The shake, the shake weight was in Boys Life. It was a joke. Oh. 
All right, coming up next, we're going to oh. talk to Dirk Facer. He covers the Utes for That was Ute, really a productive segment, wasn't it? Stay tuned. It would have been. You guys would zone. just play along here.